You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for uh, listening and watching or tuning in to our program here on this cold, frigid morning in Chicago. It is uh, January 30th here, Monday morning, and uh, January's almost done. It's amazing how fast January seemed to go by, at least for me. We've been very busy uh, at the Catholic Conference of Illinois. To uh, We actually have been very busy uh, finishing up a, a lame duck session that was thrust upon us in the early part of January and then made a transition to the new members coming in on or about January 10th. And so we're in the process of meeting some of the new lawmakers that were elected in November, uh, as well as still catching up from what happened uh, during those very busy couple days uh, in earlier in the month. So yeah, it's no, it's no surprise that January uh, has gone by very quickly. So here we are uh, in the beginning of this legislative session that really hasn't started yet. Um, we have uh, bill introductions coming in now. So like I said, we're still meeting some new members and getting ready for the upcoming year. This week, the uh, House is the, is the only chamber that's meeting. The Senate was the only chamber that met last week, so we're in that kind of introductory phase. They're still moving offices and getting phone lines hooked up and introducing of secretaries and that sort of thing. So this, the beginning of the legislative session is generally pretty slow, and then it, it'll pick up. Uh, and it'll pick up, and now we're going to get uh, the next phase is that you'll see all these bills introduced in the General Assembly, and that's what we're going through right now. About 1,000 bills introduced so far. We'll probably hit about 10,000 before all said and done, so we'll have a lot of reading to do in the next couple of weeks and figuring out what they're trying to do and what uh, hopefully pass our agenda, pushing that forward. So that looks like uh, what's on the docket for the next month or two. But today, we're going to take a little bit of a, a different um, approach, not so much legislation per se, perhaps, but more topics that we are interested in that will result in legislation or at least activity down in Springfield. I uh, will just go over the, the, the roster of the show here this morning, and then we'll bring in our guests as we uh, proceed after that. The, the first topic we want to we want to hit is uh, something that's in the news all the time. It's a different take on what's in the news. Um, we're going to talk about a paper. Uh, I don't know what we're calling it here, a white paper, I guess, of some sort. I'm not sure if there's a white paper is in any other paper, but we're going to put out a, a bunch of information in a document uh, that's on the topic of restorative justice, uh, the church's interest in that topic, why do we care, what uh, is going on in terms of uh, how do we treat individuals who have been uh, in incarcerated, their sentences are now over with, 
and what would be the appropriate response for the church in helping, they call those individuals, re-entry back into civil society. There's a lot of pieces of legislation that deal with um, commuting sentences or letting people out or uh, that sort of thing. And, and the question that always comes up, we're going to talk about this in depth here a little bit more, is, well, what, what happens with those individuals once they're released from jail? And is their life any better? Or where do they go? So we're going to talk about the paper that the Catholic Conference is about to release. We're going to talk about that with one of the members of the staff of the Catholic Conference, Mary Lou Gervasio. Um, she's going to be on here just in a minute. We're going to do that for about 15, 20 minutes, and then we'll transition. After that, we're going to talk with Mary Lou about uh, these webinars that the Catholic Conference has been holding. We've been holding, we held one last week, it was last Thursday, I think it was, and it's on the topic of assisted suicide, what people can do uh, to get involved in the subject. I guess it's probably putting the cart before the horse. What we're going to talk about, first of all, is well, let's educate people on what's going on with this topic. We hear things about what's going on in other states. Is it true? Is it false? Uh, what are those individuals who are proposing uh, legislation on assisted suicide saying? What are they putting forth? And what are the best arguments to counter those from not only a church perspective, but from a humane, compassionate uh, v- perspective as well? So we'll talk with Mary Lou about those uh, webinars that we're doing at about, uh, I think it's like 820 or so. And then finally, we're going to wrap up the show talking to some people I met when I was in Washington, D.C. in December. They run an organization called Covenant Eyes. Uh, they have a podcast. I think this will promise to be a very interesting discussion. Covenant Eyes runs some software. Uh, we have a lot of parents out there that are very concerned about what their children are exposed to on the Internet, uh, images they don't want them to see, uh, and how do we as uh, parents uh, do a better job of filtering information that we don't want our children's children to see, pornography, images, things like that. Uh, so they're going to talk about that and also what they do kind of on that top, topic writ large. Uh, you talk to many priests, they will tell you that the most frequent sin they hear in the confessional box, amongst men primarily, is, is addiction to pornography, uh, exposure to pornography, things like that. So Covenant Eyes is, has some programs and some ideas about how to address that situation. So that's kind of a rundown of our show here on this frigid Chicago morning. Um, and so let's do this. Um, let's at least introduce the topic a little bit. We'll take a break here in about, about three, four minutes. Uh, but let's at least uh, introduce our first guest and our second guest. Uh, Mary Lou Garvaccio is a staff with the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and there she is on our screen. Good morning, Mary Lou. How are you? Good morning, Bob. Can Good. You, hear, you can hear me okay, right? Yes, I can hear you. Great. This, this will be like a uh, just a conversation that we have about mm, sometimes mm-hmm. 15, 20 times a day. Um, Mary Lou, let's talk about the paper. Uh, and I was in the intro, I don't know if you heard it, but I was struggling to, is this a, <laughs> is this a white paper, a paper, a document? What are we calling this? I'm not sure either. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need a title um, fast. We've been calling it just a document from okay. the conference and the bishops on restorative justice. So let's talk about, uh, before we talk about what it is, let's talk about the need and, and how did this sort of come up in, what led to what led to this document? Why, why are we doing this? Yeah. Well, we're often asked by um, other groups that work in the criminal justice area to support different types of legislation, whether it be on issues like sentencing, parole, um, just a, a whole range of things. And um, the bishops, we always bring these issues to them and they consider them thoughtfully, but they they wanted us to really take a look at what 
the church says about these issues to kind of help guide us on to decide whenever these topics come up on what kind of our position is, what to do on these bills and, and that sort of thing. So that's really where it started from. Is for they guided they directed us to just really look at what the church says, what we currently do with our prison minister, prison and jail ministry, and kind of set that out in a document to kind of guide us as we continue working on these issues. I should add that individuals should know that the conference has a well, it's an ad hoc department on prison ministry, and it is comprised of the six members uh, in each respective diocese. That this is what they do. Uh, it's something that we probably don't get a whole lot of publicity about. It's not very controversial, but uh, we do spend some resources all across the entire state uh, helping to train. Uh, individuals uh, to go in to to and to minister the sacraments to, to those who are incarcerated. Right. Yes. Yeah. We even had um, a few years back uh, there was a program at Lewis University where they a few of the uh, prison ministers went through an intense program to really learn about how to serve these people in in prisons and jails and and the diocese are very dedicated to that ministry um, to really build that and to to work with people. Um, both who are in the prisons and who, when they come back to their communities. Let's do this. Um, let's delve further into the topic here. But first, what we're going to do is let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll sort of get into more of the meat of the issue, the document, et cetera. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. We're here talking with Mary Lou Gavascio of the Catholic Conference of Illinois about restorative justice, the church's response to it, and our document that is coming out soon that discusses this in further detail. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Join Catholic Charities on Sunday, February 5th for the Divine Affair, one of the premier wine tasting events in Chicago. Sample and purchase wines and craft beers from around the world. Attend a wine appreciation and beer tasting seminar while you enjoy gourmet hors d'oeuvres and fabulous desserts. A spectacular silent auction and raffle are included as well. All proceeds benefit Catholic Charities programs and services that have anyone in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Purchase your Divine Affair tickets online today at catholiccharities.net slash divine. Our thanks to Louis Glunz Wines and the Joseph Glunz family for their generous support of Divine Affair. Catholic Charities offers a wide variety of volunteer opportunities to those who want to share their time and help us serve people in need. Whether it's stocking the shelves of our food pantries, helping refugees learn the English language, tutoring school-aged children, becoming a mentor to young adults, sorting clothes in our clothing rooms, serving hot meals to those who are facing homelessness, or delivering meals and making cards to lift the spirits of our homebound seniors, we are deeply grateful to all those who want to join in our mission of mercy. Volunteer opportunities are updated weekly for people of all ages at ccofchicagovolunteer.com or just call us at 312-655-7053. That's 312-655-7053. Thank you for helping us follow Jesus' call to serve our neighbors in need. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for listening to our program here today on WNDZ, NDZ, if I said that correctly. That's AM 750 in Chicago. And also, we're live streaming this on uh, YouTube, and you can live stream it and watch it later on, uh, if you just Google, or not Google, or input, or search, uh, Chicago Catholic. I think that's how it's done. So it's uh, both on YouTube and on the radio. So here we are uh, talking with, uh, before the break, we're talking with Mary Lou Garvaccio of the Catholic Conference staff and talking about a document we're putting out on restorative justice. I think it's called the Catholic Vision for Restorative Justice, if I recall correctly. At least that's what my program notes say, and I've seen that before. I know that because I've actually read this document. Uh, Mary Lou, tell us about the document. So we talk about, um, before the break, there are so many bills in Springfield, as you indicated, on um, uh, early parole, uh, reducing of sentences. Um, it, it's just there's many uh, variations on that same theme. And inevitably, what the question we always get back, I think, when we're presented with this legislation, is the bishops always say to us, is like, okay, fine. Well, if these individuals are going to be let out early or their sentence is going to be commuted or some level, is like, where are they going? What are they doing once they go back? So maybe let's talk a little bit about that. What does the document purport to do? I mean, it talks about the church's teachings, but just go, go run through the document, tell us what it says a little bit. Sure. Yeah. As you said, we kind of start the document with um, going over why the church cares about these issues. We go into what the Catholic principles are, um, such as human dignity, solidarity, those kind of um, principles, etc. And then we get into really what kind of what you were speaking to, what what are we to do about these issues? Um, and we go into a di- various policy issues, but directly to the one you were mentioning about reentry, um, we talk about how um, we as a community, as a state, um, need to really look at how we help people once they do get out of prison or jail and return to their homes, to their communities. What, are, what can we do to help them? Um, our, Prison ministries and other organizations around the state do provide some services to people. For example, there is a program um, in the Belleville Diocese, um, Our Brothers Keepers, that provides some services. Colby House and the Archdiocese provides some services. Um, but there's so much more that we need to be doing in that area. There's much more support we need in that area um, from the state and from and other organizations. Um, so we talk a lot about that, how that's part of what restorative justice is, is that how do we address people when they do come out um, of prisons and jails and, and how can we help them and how, and how can we help them better um, moving forward? I wonder, uh, you know, it, it's an interesting um, uh, ministry, those who go into the jails and uh, are present to people who have committed crimes, sometimes some, some pretty serious crimes. Um, I recall like when we were doing this, the, the, we thought this document was done months ago, and the bishops had directed us to speak with some of the people in law enforcement uh, in in northwest part of the state, as well as Cook County and others. Um, it, it was interesting to kind of hear their reaction to this document, or the fact that we're even doing it. Um, I, I, it was met with uh, a, a very welcome uh that we were even trying to do this. I know in, in particular, Sheriff Dart, we, we talked with him. We talk a little bit about that meeting. I thought that was an interesting meeting and in that he was willing to <laughs> really, uh, I, I think he's kind of at a loss, uh, not at a loss, but he, he's looking for any kind of help, I, I think, from the, from the community to help deal with the situation of trying to repair the damage that these individuals have created and how 
we could help, you know, help re- re- the recidivism rate, but also repair the damage that's been done and, and, and help make them productive citizens. I think that's what he's trying to do, but I think he needs help, <laughs> uh, as much help as he can get. Yeah, yeah, and, and one of the policy um, priorities that we mentioned is how to make um, these facilities, these institutions, more rehabilitative and healing. Right, and that's what I think about what Sheriff Dart. Um, had talked about is that he um, is well known for trying to do a lot around mental health. Um, but he uh, expressed, as you said, that there's a lot more that needs to be done and he needs a lot of help doing that, um, both in, the, in mental health and in other areas. Um, we talked about different programs that they're trying to institute to try and give some, you know, training, job training to individuals in the jail um, that are there for a long time. Um, and, and, just different programs he was trying to just ask us about what we could be helpful with, what the community could be helpful with in terms of building up more programs like that um, to kind of, so he's really been looking at how to make um, the jail, not just a place where they're holding people, someplace punitive, but someplace where they can really help people because they know they're not going to be in jail forever. They're going to go back to their communities at some point and they want to help reduce the recidivism and, and help them not have to not, have to feel like they are can have to do something that will bring them back to the jail. So that's really what they he talked to us about. He shared, you know, the programs they do have, um, and kind of asked if what other areas we kind of think there should be expansion and and more programming in. And 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 I was surprised. I mean, they're quite extensive what they do at Cook County Jail. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not like they're just they don't have anything. They they do have quite an array of of programs and sort of things they're trying to do. And I was also pleasantly struck with how, um, if you want to talk about all this, about, but there was kind of a, a call to, for, for more volunteers. I think they're looking for people to, to uh, and I think even some parishes have adopted some, some, some parishes have people that go in there, into, the, into at least to Cook County, I believe, if you said that correctly. And maybe one of the things that, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but you know, one of the benefits could come out of this is maybe it will be more, of, more attention to this issue, and hopefully it would result in more, uh, you know, parishes organizing efforts to to get people to, to get more involved and in how they can help, uh, you know, in, in helping the those who are imprisoned right now. Yes, yeah, actually, Colby House, I know that they've been working um, right. with one particular parish, and, and I apologize, I don't remember which parish that is, right. um, but they're trying to start a program, and this is, they're starting a pilot program to work with a parish to really um, work with that kind of re-entry work and work with um, people who are coming into coming out of jails um, to kind of help connect them to services and, and that sort of thing. So Colby House here in the Archdiocese is really looking at how to get parishes really involved. And we're trying to spread that around the state um, to kind of help other dioceses see how parishes can become more involved in this area. You know, um, I remember um, Father Chris, the late Father Chris Reuter, sure. who was from um, he always used to say, you know, going into the prisons is not really for everybody, um, but there's a place for people in the parishes to do something and, and kind of this kind of work with the programming, um, either out, inside or outside the jail, kind of volunteering in that way is, is one way that um, people who maybe aren't necessarily wanting to go into the prisons to do, um, you know, Bible studies and that yeah. sort of thing, a different kind of way they can help. 
it is something where there is something for everyone, but but you're right. It, it, it's not, everybody's not, doesn't have the obligation to actually go physically into the jail. There's other things that people can do. Yeah. Great. Um, anything else? On, so that's coming out uh, fairly soon, maybe this week. Uh, I know we're talking about releasing it at some point in time. So it's called The Catholic Vision for Restorative Justice. Um, it's the bishop's voice on calling attention to those who are incarcerated and what we can do to help those who are incarcerated get back to uh, repair their lives and to get back uh, to becoming a productive citizens. So that's what we would hope to have happen. Um, and any little bit uh, that we can do to help foster that is is most welcomed. And, and that's part of what we're, we're called to do. So let's do this. Um, let's take a quick break. Uh, wrapped up that segment. And we come back, we're going to talk with Mary Lou again. We're going to switch gears. Uh, she will be in the same clothing. She's not going to change a, a wardrobe or anything. And we're going to talk about uh, the webinars that we've been doing on physician assisted suicide. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hiring Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Our school communities provide students with academic excellence and character education in a supportive and stable learning environment. Come see for yourself. Visit artchicago.org slash findaschool. Did you know that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you.
Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois, and thank you for listening or watching the show here this morning on this beautiful, frigid morning here in Chicago in January, January 30th. I wonder why I'm freezing. Uh, we're talking with Mary Lou Garvaccio, who is one of the, uh, what is your title, Associate Directors at the uh, Catholic Conference of Illinois and wears many hats, and amongst them is to uh, be the, le- <laughs> the the leader of these, uh, or actually not the leader, but uh, at least the coordinator of these uh, webinars that we're having regarding uh, physician-assisted suicide. And um, we had the first one of them on Thursday of last week, if I can remember. And I think we have another one tonight, don't we? <laughs> I know what's going on, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I think there's another Thursday. So it's tonight, the 30th, at 7 p.m. And then there's another one on the 2nd of February at 7 p.m. And so the purpose of those webinars is to educate individuals on what's going on in this topic. And so, Mary Lou, at, at least to date, there's not a bill introduced, right? I didn't see one. So as far as we know, not yet. Yeah. I heard over the weekend, though, uh, that there's one lawmaker that I didn't know, but apparently she is very interested in the topic, is holding uh, meetings with her constituents being uh, led by uh, Compassion and Choices. So I would anticipate her. I, 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 don't, I can't tell if this is chicken or the egg here, if that... Compassion and Choices is pushing her to do it or she's looking for a reason to do it I, I don't, or is not going to do it all. I, I don't know. So anyway, tell us a little bit about the webinars. Um, what, what, what are they? What happens? Uh, that kind of thing. Sure. Um, well, we're holding these webinars. Um, as you said, there was one last week. There's two this week. And um, we're just trying to bring together people um, from around the state, not just in the archives, right. but from around the state, uh, to, to learn more about what this issue is, kind of to learn more about what the facts are, um, try and give them some um, talking points or arguments um, of why of how, why we should be opposing this type of legislation. And um, the webinar is with Don Fitzpatrick from the Archdiocese and yourself, um, kind of going over those issues. And it's um, the webinar is just about an hour. Um, we have time for people to ask questions and um, kind of to help them learn more about just how to talk with other people and with uh, particularly with legislators when there is a bill um, about why this this it should be opposed. Yeah, I think Mike's looking for the the flyer right now, so we can put it up on the screen. It describes a little bit about what we're, what we're trying to do. Um, we also, at the conclusion of the the webinar, will send individuals some talking points if they're interested to kind of reiterate what has been discussed. And I think Dawn in particular does a very good job of, uh, she has some videos of uh, people who, about the, the aspects of the subject that, that really uh, kind of crystallize the, the issue. Um, one of them I can recall in particular, and we can talk about the issue per se, and in essence, I think most people watching this or listening know if, what physician assisted suicide is. It's a legalization of drugs that are uh, overseen by, by a doctor uh, to allow that individual to take their own life. And um, there's many problems with that, um, one of which is just the whole notion that um, some of the, what we're finding in Canada, we can talk about that after the break, but uh, that some individuals who desire this, um, A, are having some psychological issues, uh, depression is common, uh, some other things that wouldn't necessarily warrant somebody needing to take their life. And I thought one of the videos that's on here that was particularly um, interesting to me was with a psychiatrist 
or a psychologist, I can't remember, um, who told the story about uh, an attempt to interview people who have jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge. And the Golden Gate Bridge is uh, a location, unfortunately, where many people uh, who decide to jump off bridges do so. And some have survived that tragic uh, attempt to take, take their lives. And, and in interviewing those individuals who have survived, they asked them, like, what was the one thing that you were thinking about as you were hurling down into the, into the water? What is it? The Pacific Ocean, or is it over the? Jeez, I should know that. <laughs> Just thought about that. I think it's Pacific Ocean. Um, it's in San Francisco. I've been on that bridge. I know it. Um, and 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 they were saying every single person said expressed regret and remorse for doing this. They were like, "Why did I do this? I I shouldn't have done it. I I wished I didn't have to." And obviously they survived, so their grant their wish was granted. But yeah, it's interesting that 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 is the one thing that most people think about in doing this, and. And uh, it's just, uh, it, there's many problems with this issue. And I think maybe, Mary Lou, you want to talk to us a little bit, is the, the leading group that, that, in addition to us, that's opposing this is uh, are, are groups that are serve the developmentally disabled. Those are the people that are most opposed to this. Right, exactly. You know, um, we talk in the, in the webinar, and, and this is a fact that comes up a lot, is that our healthcare system, unfortunately, does not provide equal access to everybody. So, you know, if you're healthy even, and you have resources, you're, you're generally okay. You can, you can access the care you need, but people that are most vulnerable, such as the disabled, they don't have the same access. So, you know, our concern is that if there is a law um, for assisted suicide in Illinois, that, you know, insurance companies, healthcare system, they may find that it's, less expensive. It's easier for them to encourage, in a way, people to uh, turn to this, to turn to assisted suicide if, if their care is too much or it's, um, you know, there's a lot that, that they need for care. Um, and that's our concern that that could be what this would lead to for um, the vulnerable, such as the disabled. And the other thing that I'm particularly uh, concerned about, too, is that I don't think people understand just how much of a, of a, of a problem right now uh, suicide is in our culture. Uh, you know, the numbers of people out there who are committing suicide are, are it, it, it's, it's shocking. I think last year there were over 50,000 suicides and about 15, 20,000 homicides. People are concerned about violence in the streets. There's also other types of violence going on right underneath. Very close, people are very close to them who are ending their lives. And one of the things that the experience in Oregon proves is that when you legalize something, you get more of it. So if we want more suicide in the state, this is the way to do it. And there are groups out there that are suicide prevention groups trying to do what they can to uh, reach out to people who feel they're in a bad situation or a bad place and, and provide help to them and services to them. If this passes, all those efforts are going to have to be magnified by, by exponentially to keep, tra- to keep pace with what's going what's to happen. Um, it's really something that, that concerns a lot of us, and I don't think people are paying enough attention to it. And part of the reason is because there's not a bill out there. And as we're talking, uh, I can, you can see on your screen, Mike's pulling up um, some things about the, this is the promo piece that we're putting out um, about the uh, webinar that we're having. We talk a little bit about just describing who the Catholic Conference is. We're strongly urging people to 
join the ICANN network, the Illinois Catholic Advocacy Network, because uh, we will keep contact with people and developments on it, and also information about how to find out who your legislator is, you know, how to contact that kind of thing. So I think it's important to underscore that although there's not legislation out per se, uh, we do anticipate there being some. And there has been an almost, I, I don't know, Mary, how, how many other states have had this? Uh, uh, many have, have had the... the, the, sure the exact number, but yeah. unfortunately, there's, there's more each year, it seems. Yeah, I know. And Virginia just voted it down recently. It was last week. And uh, I know Massachusetts, they've been trying to Massachusetts for years. Uh, and there's a lot of money behind this. Uh, the interest group called Compassion and Choices uh, has, has uh, spent significant resources organizing people, getting them out. And, and it's really sad that this is the tack that we're going to take, uh, you know, to help people who are who want to end their lives is to help them do it. Um, I, 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 there's the, the video, and like I said, in the webinar, I'd strongly encourage people to, to, to take a look at it because there's a lot of good information in that webinar about videos and things like that uh, that would um, help crystallize the importance of the issue to many people. Um, Let's talk a little bit why we got a chance. I think Mike's trying to look at the for the flyer. I, I don't see it. This is one of them that we're sending out. I think um, once people sign up for the for the um, for the webinar, the promo piece basically is just a little bit more colorful, but basically says the same thing. It talks about you know, let's again how to contact your legislator, um, how to you know some of the talking points that are out there, um, and I think you brought up the issue with insurance companies and safeguards and making sure that's not it. Um, anything else in those? talking points that's worth pointing out right now? Um, I think just as you said, um, that we've seen such as in Oregon that once they pass this law that suicides in general increase and that's a concern. Um, uh, and as I said, you know, really how um, this can kind of snowball into even more extremes. You'd mentioned Canada and we're yes. seeing stories there about how, you know, this this uh, assisted suicide has been touted as, you know, something for people who are terminally ill to kind of help ease their pain and, and that sort of thing. But we're seeing and we're hearing stories from Canada where people who have who are not terminally ill, who just are in dire circumstances, perhaps, and just don't want to go on living or or can't find help. Um, for whatever their their problems are, um, turning to this, and um, that's kind of that's really scary to to think that this could could be an option just for any re any reason why you don't want to go on with life. The other video that's in there, I was just thinking about, it, which I would encourage people to sign up for, which is tonight. Uh, you can go to the ilcatholic.org website and sign up for that. Um, and there's another one on Thursday. And the other one, I, I recall that same psychologist saying something like, this is like, you have to think about if you saw somebody in your own personal life about to end their life, what would you do? What's your natural reaction? Everybody's natural reaction would be to what? Stop it. Talk them out of it. This is akin to the state in that same situation, not saying don't stop it, don't do it, but here, nudging them off the cliff or nudging them off the building and actually helping them do what the natural reaction is to stop. And I thought that was a really good way of putting it. It's like, that's not what most people will do in those situations. Everybody's going to say, no, no, don't do that. Here, I can help you do what's so bad. What do you, what's, why, why are you doing this? And as a society, that should be our response. We shouldn't be here. Pushing, helping them push people. That's just not what 
the civil society does. But unfortunately, as you indicated, especially in Canada, I can't urge people enough to become familiar with what's going on in Canada. I think 5% of all deaths up there now are assisted suicide. There are stories of people who, uh, uh, I saw something from the BB, uh, the, the Canadian um, broadcasting company that had a story about a man who was losing his housing. He was, he was older and couldn't work, but he was losing his housing. He had state subsidized housing and the state had cut it off. And his immediate response was to kill himself, to, to ask for pills in order to kill himself. I mean, that, that's just a matter of finding a different housing situation. And, and, and you know, when you have officials of the government that are involved with that I- I exchange, it just makes you wonder, like, this is not a road that we should go down. Um, we should double down on, if you will, services to people who are in need, especially veterans. It comes up a lot how veterans are so uh, – the, the incident rate of suicide amongst veterans is inordinately high. Um, we need to be providing more services to that population as opposed to, like I said, the nudging off of, uh, off of the building. The other thing that uh, – I'll close with this. I don't know if you want to say anything further, but um, they, sh- they showed us in one of those training sessions was um, it was uh, an individual in a wheelchair – and um, it was the difference between uh, assisted suicide and, and services. And under the services one, they had a ramp going up to where they could get help. And then under the assisted suicide one, they had like stairway blocking individuals in the wheelchair from going up the stairs. And I thought, you know, it just says it all. is like it, that, that we should provide a ramp to the services so people need them, not create a staircase where it makes it impossible for people who are developmentally disabled to get to get services with that they need. So the, the, the disability communities out there, we're seeing some of the, the, the Catholic hospitals, et cetera. We probably need, we need more voices out there. So hopefully uh, individuals can come, uh, go on the webinar, uh, learn more about it. I think Don's presentation is very good. Uh, and I kind of do the beginning and the end, and, and that's and it's over in an hour. So once again, it's uh, what are the dates and times again, Mary Lou? Do you remember? It's um, it's tonight at seven p.m. and then I believe Thursday, February second, right. at seven p.m. And um, if people there's still space, people can register. Um, they can go to our, our website, or else I believe they can email us at info at ilcatholic.org. That's right. Um, and that information for the webinar to you. Great. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, thank you very much, Mary Lou. Thanks for taking some time to join us this morning. And uh, we'll probably be talking within the next hour or so as I get off the phone. Um, talking about assisted suicide. The webinar is tonight at uh, 7 o'clock. You can go to info at ilcatholic.org. And if you can't make it tonight, you can do it on Thursday night. Info at ilcatholic, 7 o'clock Thursday night. This is Bob Gilligan. Don't go away. We'll be right back. We're going to talk to Covenant Eyes when we come back. Charities invites you to First Look for Charity, an extraordinary black tie evening at McCormick Place on Friday, February 10th. Enjoy an elegant private reception and be among the first to explore the latest in automotive innovation at the Chicago Auto Show. Your ticket also gives you the chance to win either a 2023 Honda CRV 
or a 2023 Subaru Crosstech. As you register, please select Catholic Charities so a portion of your ticket purchase benefits those we serve. Join us at First Look for Charity on Friday, February 10th. Visit catholiccharities.net to get your tickets today. Catholic Charities Refugee Resettlement Program has been especially busy this year, assisting individuals and families who have fled dangerous situations in their homeland, including Afghanistan and the Ukraine. The Refugee Resettlement Team helps with everything they need to start to rebuild their lives in a new country, including housing, employment, clothing, food, English classes, and referrals for legal and immigration services. The refugees are tremendously grateful for the compassion and practical help they're receiving, and they're giving back and helping each other plan for a brighter, safer future. Volunteer opportunities are currently available for those who would like to be family mentors and tutors so children and adults can practice English. To learn more about these rewarding opportunities, call 312-655-7096. That's 312-655-7096. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. Welcome back, everybody. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference of Illinois. Thanks for listening and watching our show here today, this morning. Uh, And very interesting, and thanks to Mary Lou for joining us for the first two segments of our show. We're going to make a transition now. And we're going to be talking now to Karen Potter. And Karen is with a group called Covenant Eyes, a group that I uh, encountered, I met with when I was in Washington back in December. Uh, They do very fine work, and I thought it would be interesting for listeners, uh, viewers out here in Chicago to hear from them. Karen, are you with us? Yes, I'm here. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. You have a very fancy microphone there. That's very nice. Boy, you really are. You're ready to go. (laughs) Uh, Where are you, Karen? Yeah, well, I'm located in Michigan, so I'm just a little north of Lansing for anyone that knows Michigan. All right. We are buried in snow up here right now. You have a very bright room there. I was thinking maybe you were down south, but maybe it's just uh, that you're oh, trying to will it that dreaming. way. Yeah, uh, we're in the same <laughs> boat. We're in the same boat. Karen, tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, it's interesting. Yeah. I was mentioning in the intro, I, I was uh, met some of your colleagues in Washington. at uh, They came in and talked to the Catholic Conference directors. I'd never heard of Covenant Eyes, but tell me a little bit about what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. So Covenant Eyes actually has been around for 22 years, and we have actually been 
actively helping people overcome pornography addiction, as well as educating and equipping churches to really address and confront this issue. Because as you know, it's one of those secret sins that a lot of people are struggling with. And so we really work hard to give tools and resources to our church leadership, um, to our diocesan leaders, as well as priests and parishes and all the right, all the rest, um, just to really help them help people because so many people are struggling with this issue. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the stats, but 70% of Christian men and 30% of Christian women admit to struggling with pornography. So it's a pretty big issue that's uh, not being addressed actively in the church. It is. And, and the priest's friends I know, uh, they just about everybody I know, you know, and just talking sort of in, in general and, and not anything specific, but they, they will they will say that this is something that they they hear very frequently. This is not something that's just once yeah. in a while, but it's it's I think it's the most common thing that most priests hear when men come into the confessional. Yeah, that is true. Absolutely. We do have a a really good program, too, that's designed to help men, specifically when they come into confessionals. And we actually equip priests uh, with little cards for a program called Strive. And Strive is a 21-day digital detox from pornography. And it's featuring Matt Pratt, which I'm sure a lot of your listeners are very familiar with. Um, But he walks men through a journey of detoxing and overcoming pornography. It talks about the brain science and all of the impacts of pornography on our spiritual walk as well. Um, That program is actually free, and it's something that Covenant Eyes shares with people all over the country. I think at last count, we had over, I want to say over 60,000 men have gone through that program. So Hmm. that's huge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know, I had a friend of mine say to me something once, and and to the stat you just brought up, if 70% of Christian men um, are confessing this, uh, his friend of mine said, he goes, think about it. He goes, these are the good guys. <laughs> he goes, think about like those that are not in this building and not here trying to, uh, you know, honestly trying to address that problem. Think of what's going on out there. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I never, I never thought of it like that, but, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little daunting. I mean, is it the culture? Is it the internet? I mean, when I was a kid, you know, you had these like stores and seedy parts of town that you had to go to and, if you were willing to make that jump, I, that's probably a big part of it. But it wasn't something that w- it was sort of like you had to go to it. Um, now yeah. it's like I mean, you can easily. I mean, I, I you just can Google almost anything, and things can come up w- without even seeking it. So it, it can find you. Yeah, it For finds sure. all of us. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge has been technology. Certainly, technology has opened the gateway. And if you think about our children too, they're being exposed at earlier and earlier ages, and part of that is you know, it's actually changing their brain to be attracted to what they see on that screen. So if you're seven, eight years old and being exposed to this type of pornography, that significantly impacts how the brain is developed. And and we've seen studies that show that earlier exposure really leads to um, ongoing pornography struggles and even addiction. So yeah, I think technology has definitely opened that gateway. I mean, if you think about it, you know, I'm a parent, you lock your doors, you lock your windows when you go to bed. But we are allowing our kids to have these devices in their bedrooms. So we're, you know, we have these devices in our bedrooms, and we're just letting the enemy come into our house without keeping something on our, our devices to protect our hearts and minds. And that's where that's really where Covenant Eyes comes into play. And so you also do uh, you have some aspect of of technology that helps screen or prevent or t- tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So we actually offer screen accountability, which is um, a software that actually gets just uh, installed on your devices, and it helps you 
by partnering you with your accountability partner and making you accountable for your activity online, there, are, there is a blocking feature as well, so that if you're really struggling with pornography and you know that you just need something in place to keep it off mm -hmm. of your devices, that is available as well. But we believe that accountability is very biblical and being accountable with one another in this walk actually helps us grow and mature and to fortify ourselves against pornography on our devices. So in that matter, it would be like with a spouse or a friend or, or a mm -hmm. priest, minister, that, that you, would, you would be accountable to, to another person is what you're saying. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, how? Uh, and, and you know, it's funny because when I came back, I think I'd mentioned to you that uh, I had we had heard a presentation from some of your colleagues at the uh, at a meeting we have in December every year. They came in and talked to us a little bit about Covenant Eyes. I, I had personally never heard of it, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. And when I came back, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised that. Um, we have a meeting with our, our Respect Life coordinators, and they do a lot of like family ministry work too now. They've, they've kind of expanded their, their reach a little bit. But many of them were familiar with, 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 with you and what you do. So how do you get to uh, the average pastor out there? Is, is, that, is that the best yeah. way you do it, or are you looking for help to do that? Or how do you guys operate? Yeah, both, actually. Yeah. So one of the ways is actually we provide a program um, to our diocesan leaders that's called Safe Haven Sunday. So that's probably right. the program you've heard of from yes. Amanda Zerfus, who I believe was at your conference in December. She is actually our Catholic di uh, Diocesan Outreach Director. She actually runs our Safe Haven Sunday program. It's actually a free program that we provide to all diocesan leaders as well as parishes. And it's an awareness Sunday where um, you can really educate and equip parents primarily, but then also men and women about the dangers of uh, pornography, how to have good conversations with your kids, how to fortify them and train them what to do when they encounter por pornography. Because frankly, we can't just you know believe that they're not gonna be exposed. They are gonna see it and we need to equip them to deal with it when they do. Um, so we provide this program. It's got lots and lots of resources inside of it. There are also books that are provided to the parents um, that the diocesan leaders can order for their parishes. And it's just a really comprehensive way to start that conversation because we know it's hard and we know that it's a secret sin. So we're trying to bring that to the forefront. So that's one of the ways that we work with, um, you know, the diocesan leaders as well as parishes. And you can roll this out at your local parish. So if one of your listeners is thinking to themselves, how do I engage? How do I bring this topic? Um, that's one way you can do that for sure. And it looks like we've just been joined by Brandon. Brandon, welcome. Hey guys, sorry, technical difficulties. Yeah, that, that happens, that <laughs> happens. Brandon, we were talking to Karen a little bit about uh, some of the work that you you do at Covenant Eyes. Um, and is it my understanding then, you you have a, pro do you do a podcast together? Is that how it works? We do. You do? We do, yes. Okay, tell us about that. Go ahead, Brandon, you're on because uh, <laughs> you're the new contestant. We're live, Brandon. <laughs> Oh yeah. Um, so we, uh, we started it a, a year ago and, um, you know, we, we just wanted to be able to reach more people with messages that are commonly talked about and with guests who are very prominent in the field, you know, it's our, our world has gone very digital. And so getting big conferences together over the past couple of years has been something that <laughs> right. hasn't been as, uh, accessible, I guess we could say. And so being able to reach people through the podcast avenue with these guests and these people who are doing amazing things, many of them have organizations that are producing great resources for battling against pornography. 
we just felt that this was a great opportunity to get the word out about that. And podcasts really are the thing right now. There's yeah. a there's over 3 million podcasts on Apple podcasts alone. And so being able to get into that sphere, that space, have guests on who even have their own podcasts and can share our podcasts, you know, it just, it's kind of a scratch one another's back sort of deal. Sure. Sure. Who have you had on that would, uh, any particular guests that you've had on that you think would be, uh, who's your, who's your main guest? Oh, I'm going to throw a couple of names out. So of course, <laughs> we've had, you know, we've had uh, Matt Fred. We've had Father Mike Schmidt, which is a big one. He's um, very you know, good. He actually gave an amazing interview about, you know, just working with our young people because, you know, there are so many young people that are knee deep in pornography struggles. And he just had some exciting and really um, deep, like meaningful conversation sure. points on how to address that. And that was one of my favorite interviews. But Brandon, I know you've got a couple of your own. Yeah, Father Sean Kilcalli out of the Diocese of Lincoln was another great one. Mm-hmm. Um, he just speaks so well to the struggle with pornography. We also have Bill Donahue of the Theology of the Body Institute. Mm-hmm. He helped create Strive, actually. But his his conversation actually was a really good one and relevant to our cultural times, talking about toxic man- masculinity versus tonic masculinity. So just important conversations like that, even stirring into some of the cultural stuff to let people know that there is another way. And and that way, of course, is Jesus. But then the truth that comes with that is something that is being so suppressed, which we don't have to suppress on our podcast. Yeah, right. Exactly. You have a great forum there. Um, no, I know Michael, Father Michael Schmitz is very. Uh, he's 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 got a very uh, he's got a gift that he can put things that are very controversial in in terms that are digestible and not contra- and, and gets people to listen. And I think that's that's his real skill. Um, so t- tell us about wh- how do people access that podcast? Where is the what is there a station to it or yeah, yeah so, so oh go, go ahead brandon <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say if they go to podcast.covenanteyes.com all of our podcasts list uh, live there and from there they can also find their specific platform so if they want to listen on apple podcasts or if they want to listen on iHeartRadio. Uh, Google Podcasts, they can find that uh, it's kind of a clearinghouse for all of the different podcast platforms. If they just go to that podcast.covenantize.com. Uh, you do more than just, uh, I mean, I'm in so immersed in Catholic world, but you, you're more, it's just more than Catholic churches. You're in, in many other venues as well, right? Yep. And- that is correct. Yeah. We work across all denominations, which is great because this problem is an equal opportunity destroyer. So we, we need to be in the trenches with all the different denominations and church leadership. And our podcast is reflective of that. I think what's really nice about our podcast is we're not talking just about pornography. We're talking about culture. We're talking about, um, you know, we've had VidAngel on, you know, that they help you to protect what you're watching on your TV screens. Uh, we've had people like the Kendrick brothers who are making movies like, you know, courageous and fireproof mm-hmm. and all the rest, you know, things that we all as Christians are probably engaging with. So we try to broaden the topic so that it's appealing, but it also stays relevant to our topic, which is culture is being infiltrated by, porno- you know, the pornography industry in a million different ways. And we need to fight back and unite. So 
we even have some fun ones like uh, Michael Jr., the comedian, came on, and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so I don't know if you're familiar with him, but that was a great not, interview. No, no yeah. I, I think you're right. And Brandon, before you got on, I was saying that, you know, years ago it was always like, you know, the porno shops was were located like in the seedy part of town, and you had to go there, or it, people didn't even know where that was, or if they did, it was a place you probably wouldn't want to go. But now it's like it's everywhere. It's it's in your home, and, and Karen was saying is like, you know, it's it's very, you can't, you lock your doors in your house and and you you try to protect yourself but yet you have these devices and that, that's how it's getting in and it's very difficult to protect for that and and the culture is such a, a, so accommodating to it I, I'd, ver, I'd I'd go as far to say it's almost verging on mainstream now uh, there's aspects of of pornography that are that are mainstream on cable TV you can get it's, it seems like it's just everywhere um, and combating that is very, very difficult. Well, wh- what else do I miss, guys? I mean, what else do we need to know? I, I, you have your podcast. It's called uh, podcast.covenanteyes.com, um, and they can catch you there uh, at any time. That's on Apple and iHeart and all those places where you're available. And you're reaching out to the parishes as well uh, with the Safe Haven Project. You mentioned that. And so hopefully if pastors or uh, people in, in the churches want to pick up on that, I mean, that is definitely worth doing because that, that's how you re- reach a wider audience i think you know your mass attending catholic who it, it, it may know somebody who needs some help or they may know somebody who knows somebody that kind of thing and that that is very helpful what about other ways that we can help get the word out yeah i would just say you know if you are a parent and you are looking for ways to have this conversation you know go to our website because we offer a ton of free resources we have so many different resources that are available so you know, just check, check out our website. Um, yep, that's it right there. Under the resource tab, you'll find all sorts of eBooks. There's things for couples and married couples. Actually, Brandon and his wife put together a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, it's one of our resources called Restored Vows, and it walks through their struggle with pornography and how they overcame those challenges. And it is a powerful resource, but that's also here. We've got tons of eBooks. They're all free to download. So if you're looking for information, you want to better understand this topic, go to our website and definitely check out our resources. Yeah, and just uh, as as Mike's scrolling through, I'm looking at it. Yeah, you have uh, a lot of different subjects that I wouldn't even thought of um, that you have covered. So that's fantastic. Great. I just want to give some attention to this topic because I know it's a big topic out there, uh, no matter who you are. So hopefully, you know, somebody will hear this. Pick it up, uh, Covenant Eyes. Um, the name of the we- the podcast is podcast.covenanteyes.com, and you saw how to get a hold of the folks. Uh, Brandon and Karen, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Best luck. In- thank you for thank having you. us. Great. This is Bob Gilligan of the Catholic Conference. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Don't go away. We- well, actually, we are going away. Uh, we'll be back on the third Monday in the month of uh, February, maybe a little warmer by then. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Have a great day. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.